Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, the Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised, infallible, and impregnable word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's our Pastor Albert with today's word. Well, this morning, of course, we all understand that today is Father's Day. And once again, I salute all the fathers in this house. Hallelujah. And I also salute the mothers who are playing the role of a father in this house. Amen. I salute you all this morning, but I believe that God has given me a word. And before I mention where we're at this morning, let me just start by saying twice this week, I had literally prepared two messages. The first one, there was nothing unbiblical. There was nothing, uh, it was biblically sound. It was a, a good message. It had a lot of jokes. It had a lot of illustrations. It had all kinds of stats. God said, no, 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 that's not what I want. So I prepared a second message. And I found new illustrations and new stats and new jokes. And God said, nah, that's not what I want. Put that sugar-coated nonsense in the closet. I had no peace, no peace. And we've been here every night this week, praying and fasting, and we've had seven days straight. It's been powerful. But I remember, I believe it was Thursday night, I said, I can't go home. I have to stay here. I need to hear from God. And my wife came back later that night, and I still haven't heard from God. Lord told me, go home, sleep on it. The following morning, I woke up, and he gave me this message which I intend to share with everyone here today. The title of this message, which I believe with all my heart, is for every man, woman, and child in this room. It's entitled, Fathers, You Shall. We're going to be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to read verses 6 through 9. Glory to God. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. If you have it, say amen. Amen. Praise God. I thank you for standing to your feet to reverence the word of God. Let's read together. And the word of the Lord says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit In your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Saints of God, you may be seated this morning. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, 
everything's going to be all right. Hallelujah. Buckle up this morning. We're going in. You see, there's a misconception with many men, especially men in the church. A lot of times you'll hear men saying, I am the head of my household. And men, we say, we're the top. We're at the top of the, the household environment. But the reality is here is that really men are at the bottom. Men are at the bottom. And I'm going to qualify that by saying men are at the foundation of the home. Any good construction person would know you always build with the bottom first. You build from the bottom up. And we have to learn the basics. We have to go to the foundation. Hallelujah. Because if we build our house on sand, the wind and the waves are going to come. And how great will be the crash when that day happens. But those that are built upon the rock, those that have their homes, their house, their family built upon the rock shall weather every storm. This morning, God has a message for all the men, young and old in this house. Fathers, men of God, it's on you. The Bible says you shall. Do you know what that means? There's no ambiguity. There's no uh, 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 a tickling. There's no a sugar coating. You shall. Turn to your neighbor and say, you shall. Hallelujah. God expects much from us men. God is searching for a man. God is searching for a man that would stand up for his family. That he would embrace biblical fatherhood. A man that will take seriously the priestly role in his household. A man that will study the word of God. A man that will draw close to God. A man that isn't afraid to raise up holy hands and say, I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Are you that man this morning? Today's word is going to be a bit strong. But brothers and sisters, that's why God gave you broad shoulders. That's why God gave you muscles. Hallelujah. And, and it's today, it's going to be for you. Hallelujah. I promise you at the end of this me message, you will be strengthened and encouraged. Hallelujah. So let me begin by asking a question. Where are the men? Where are the men today? Are there men in this room? One, two, three. Yes. Hallelujah. My brothers. There we go. Where are the men who represent heaven on earth as ambassadors of Christ? Where are the men that sacrifice themselves on behalf of their family? Where are the men who are unafraid to pray for their wife? and their children, and lay hands on their siblings? Yes. Where are the men with backbone that will stand for Jesus when nobody else will? Have we lost sight of what it means to be a man anymore? There are so many emasculated, effeminate, wimpy men. Our current culture has, in many cases, redefined manhood. There's a book by Dr. Ed Cole, one of our books in our curriculum. It's called Courage. You know what chapter 3 is entitled in that book? Wimps Made in America. 
Every TV show in our society, all you got to do is turn on the TV. Every TV show with some kind of family show has the wife in complete control and the husband is a buffoon, a moron, a dimwit. Think of the Simpsons and Family Guy, Kings and Queens and Married with Children and on and on. Show after show has the men with a warped image of what it means to be a man. Nowadays, men have freely relinquished their authority to their wives. It seems to be the accepted norm. Men will tell their kids, go and ask your mom. See what she says. Man up, hallelujah. Don't get me started today. Hallelujah. Settle down, pastor. Settle down. Go ask your mother. When they're the ones that should be making the decision. Many men don't work. Many men don't pay bills. Many men don't want to make decisions. They don't want to help with the kids. Many men don't have a clue. They become kids themselves. Staying home. Getting high scores on Xbox and PlayStation. Their wives have become their mummies. Picking up after them. Honey, pick up your socks. Honey, put that cup away. Honey, please. And then those are the men that come to the pastor and come to counsel say, I'm not having enough sex with my wife. She's not putting out. It's hard for a woman to make love to her kid. Turn to your neighbor and say, ouch and amen. Hallelujah. We're just scraping the surface. Hallelujah. There now seems to be in many homes a refusal for leadership from the men. Many of the men will cry out, just leave me alone. Leave me alone. I don't want to be bothered right now. But isn't that the prayer of the devil himself? Yes. Yes. The demons told Jesus in Mark 1.24, Just leave us alone. Have you come before our appointed time? Leave us alone. Man, all a woman wants is for a man to be a man. All the women are like, hallelujah. Yes, Lord Jesus. That's it. When a man gets under alignment with God, let me tell you, there's nothing more uh, uh, attractive. There's nothing more powerful. There's nothing more beautiful than a man that is surrendered to the authority, the headship, the lordship of God. A man that when his kid comes to him and says, dad, what does this mean? I read this in the word. You know what that means, son? Boom, bam, boom, boom, boom. When a man can say, son, you know what, let's pray about it. Let, you know, there's nothing more attractive to a woman than a man that's surrendered unto God. And there ain't a woman on earth that won't come under his wing and say, that's my boo. That's my honey. That's my man. Hallelujah. He's a man of God. You see, a woman wants a man to be a man. Being a male is a matter of birth. But being a man is a matter of choice. 
God has designed every man to be accountable for his family and for his home. Whether you like it or not, whether you accept it or not, you are to be accountable. Hallelujah. We're losing the next generation because men are refusing to lead. Or they get home and they say, honey, I had a long day. You take it from here. What about her? She had a long day too. The kids are looking for role models and leaders. And guess what? If they don't see one at home, they're going to see one on TV. And you know what the TV is doing? They're brainwashing our children. They're saying that the Bruce Jenners are now becoming Caitlyn Jenners. This is what our kids are seeing. And they're, they're told it's normal. It's not normal. God is calling men today. You shall train up your own children. Proverbs 22. It's 22.6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Praise God. Fathers, you are to train up your children to obey God's laws, to learn his ways. And you know how? By example. Your kids should be able to look up to your godly leadership in the home and understand and recognize what it means to be a man of God. The Bible says, teach them diligently. Teach God's ways to your children diligently. Talk with them when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way. Hallelujah. When you lie down and when you wake up. That means at every moment of every day, you are to guide, to instruct to challenge your children, your sons, and your daughters in the fear and admonition of holy God. It's on you. God expects fathers to rear their children. Turn to your neighbor and say, I didn't know that. Many men don't know that. But the men are called to rear the children. The wife is supposed to come alongside and help them. Pastor, what are you talking about? You need a scripture, right, to stand on? Praise God. Let me go there then. <laughs> Praise God. Don't take my word for it. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6, 4. And you, fathers, turn to your, turn to your neighbor and say, that's man. Hallelujah. Fathers. Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. It's on you. Let me give you a, a definition. The Greek word, ektrepho. I hope I pronounce it properly. Ektrepho. That, that word, bring them up, is translated ektrepho in the Greek. It means to rear up to maturity, to cherish, to train up, to invest, to nourish. Do your children know and understand the fear of God? Are your children able to come up to you for spiritual guidance and leadership? Or do they go to mommy for that? Men, please listen to the words that are coming out this morning. Don't live with regret. It's never too late to pick up the baton and begin to lead your family in the fear and admonition of the Lord. 
Let me read a very sad confession of one father. He says, I took my children to school, but not to church. I taught them to drink, but not drink of the living water. I enrolled them in Little League, but I never enrolled them in Sunday school. I showed them how to fish, but never to be a fisher of men. I made the Lord's Day a holiday rather than a holy day. I taught them that church was full of hypocrites, and I made the greater hypocrites of them and me. I gave them a color TV, but provided no Bible. I handed them the keys to the car, but did not give them the keys to the kingdom of God. I taught them how to make a living, but failed to bring them to Christ, who alone can make a life. Men, don't live with the regrets identified in that confession. Men, fathers, we can be so focused on, on earthly things, on natural things that we completely miss altogether the spiritual component of our life, what it means to be a child of God, what matters most, the relationship. This morning we read the scripture. I'm going to read it again. Listen very closely. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and of your gates. There's a huge problem. An epidemic in our society with biblical illiteracy. Men, especially men, we don't like to read. I always tell people, and it's kind of a joke, but it's true. If you want to hide something from a man, put it in a book. Eternity will pass before he picks up that book and reads it. Reading, a lot of times, is like kryptonite to men. It weakens their inner superhero. But the reality is, how else will you learn God's Word if you don't study it? Many men come to church on Sunday and hope that Sunday's message is enough. I'll listen to this and I'll get through the week. But today, I have a surefire method, a cure for biblical illiteracy. How many want to know what that cure is? Do you want to know what the cure is for biblical illiteracy? Pick up the book and start reading it. Hallelujah. And you will not be illiterate any longer. Hallelujah. When you pick up the word and you start reading it, the spirit of God is going to pour into you. Hallelujah. The word of God is going to come into your spirit. 
You'll begin to prophesy over your children. You'll begin to cast out devils. You'll begin to walk in authority and dominion. And you will not be weak anymore. You won't be gutless and spineless anymore. You'll be a man in charge. Hallelujah. You'll be a mighty man of God. A mighty man of valor. A man of action. And when the devil tries to put his hands on your wife or on your kids or anything, hallelujah, you'll be there. I bind you in the name of Jesus. How dare you invade my house? How dare you interrupt my wife's sleep? Get thee behind me, Satan. Read the word. Read the word. And nowadays, there's no excuse. Even if you can't read, you can put it on your phone and it'll read itself to you. There's no excuse. 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. Talk to your kids about the Bible. Use the scripture. As the basis for your parenting. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Listen to this illustration here. There was a bodybuilder visiting an African tribe. And the tribal chief was just amazed at his physique. The chief asked him, what do you do with all of those muscles? The bodybuilder said, it's probably easier to just show you what I do. So he takes his shirt off and begins striking poses. Pose after pose, he went on and on. Biceps, triceps, obliques, quads, everything popping out. Ping, ping, pow, ping. After the presentation, the chief said, wow, that's very impressive. But I still have another question for you. What do you do with all of those muscles? The bodybuilder looked at him and said, well, that's pretty much it. I work out every day so that I can pose. The chief shakes his head and says under his breath, what a waste. What a waste. Many Christians work out only to pose. They don't use the spiritual muscle that they have developed. They carry their Bibles. They stand during praise and worship. They raise their hands to praise the Lord. They try their very best to absorb the word of God from the servant only to leave church and never use what they have learned. Turn your neighbor and say, I hope he ain't talking about you. Hallelujah. Let me give you an example. A bricklayer. Let's say somebody that's a mason. Somebody has been laying brick for 30 years. And a young man comes up to you and says, listen, could you teach me how to lay brick? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how to lay no brick. 30 years and you can't teach somebody else? You can't pour into some other person what you have learned in 30 years of experience? Shame on you. But for some reason, it's acceptable in the body of Christ. You've been serving the Lord 30 years and a young kid says, Brother so-so, 
Could you teach me the words? Go ask, go ask Sister So-So. Go ask Pastor. Go ask, I don't know how to teach that. I don't know what that means. Shame on us. Use what you got. Teach the word to your children. Lead by example. The Bible calls fathers to impact the world, to impact their children with the word. Listen to what Genesis says, 18, 19. It says, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has spoken to him. God wants you to leave a lasting legacy for your children. Your kids are going to respond to God the way you respond to them. My son, years ago we had a conference, a church family retreat. And we had a foot washing ceremony. I don't know if you could see that picture. But at the end, I was playing the piano. We're just worshiping God. It was such a beautiful spirit of peace and worship and adoration in the room. We were all crying. That's right. Men were crying too. Hallelujah. Tears were flowing. Even women, children, everybody. The whole family were all crying. And my son, Alec, who is now in Dubai. I hope he's listening to this on the podcast. He comes near me and he kneels down. He just puts his head into my chest. It was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had. And I took my hand off the piano. I just put my arms around him. We began to pray together. Many children find great difficulty in serving God because of the relationships they've had with their own earthly father. My own walk with God has suffered for many, many years because of the relationship that I had with my father. I'll tell you a little bit about my father. My father was a very violent man. He was a God-hater. In my early part of my life, he was a drunkard and an abuser. And he used to beat my mother up and do all kinds of awful things, not only to my mother, but he would beat us, beat my sisters, beat me, I thought every kid went to sleep hot at 7 o'clock. I was hot. I mean by belts and whips and everything else. And I said, one day, I'm going to be old enough. I'm going to work out. I joined boxing. I did everything. One day, I'm going to beat the living lights out of this man. I'm going to pay him back for everything he did to my mother For everything he did to us, the torture we went through, I'm going to make him pay. He was a disciplinarian. All law and no love. Never had time to play with his kids, say I love you. Never went to the park. None of those things. But see, God had another plan. As I started to beef up and I started to get really good at my craft, I received Christ into my heart. And for almost two years, I found myself struggling in my walk with God. And as much as I tried to serve God, I was still angry. I was still bitter. I was still hurt. I was still wounded. All the while trying to serve God. 
I was just as angry, in many cases just as violent, and a carbon copy of my own father. And I remember seeking the Lord one day and saying, Lord, what's going on? Why can't you and I mesh? He says, because you have unforgiveness in your heart. He says, go and forgive your father. I was like, are you crazy? Let me tell you a little bit about how violent my father has been. My father actually shot my brother with a gun and spent some time in prison for that. And he always walked around with a gun in his ankle and on his holster. And he would use it. He pulled out his gun with no problem. So you're asking me to go and forgive this violent man? Yes, that's what I'm asking you. And I went to his house one day and I knocked on the door and I asked him to come outside and he didn't want to. He said, come in the house, son. Come in. No, no, no. You and me, we need to go outside. I need to see what you're up to. We went downstairs and we're on the sidewalk and I began to say to him, listen, I've given my heart to Christ. And for two years, I've been hitting a brick wall and I just discovered there's something wrong. I need to forgive you. I said, today, I choose to forgive you, not because you deserve it, but I forgive you because I want to be set free. And from this day forward, I choose to erase everything you've ever done. And I begin to go down the line. And I'm carefully watching his hands, his movement, just in case he reaches for the gun. And I would have been ready to pounce on him. But he didn't do that at all. He listened to every word. And then, with tears, first time I've ever seen him weep, he cried and he says, thank you. I needed to hear that. And he says, tiene derecho. You have, you have the right to say that. I was an evil man. And for the first time, he told me he loved me. That was the first time. I was almost 21 years old. And we were able to have a relationship for the first time. I was able to learn things about my father that I never knew. He was worse abused than I ever was. And he thought what he was doing was making me a man. He thought in his best effort, he was making me a man. But there was no man in his life. And his father, the mother that gave him birth, died giving him birth. I didn't know that. And he was abused as a child his whole life. But after that time of forgiveness, I was able to soar in my relationship with Father God. And as a result, I didn't hate people anymore. I wasn't violent anymore. I didn't care if people talked about me anymore. And here I am now, I'm a pastor, loving on people all the time, crying like a little baby for every little thing. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, you may not have had the best father. You may not have been the best father. But you can forgive the father you have had. And if you have been a pretty awful father, you can ask for forgiveness. There's power in the ability to forgive. But you can't do it on your own strength. John 20, verses 22 through 23, it says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And then he goes, Forgive. Whatever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whatever sins you retain, they are retained. Isn't it beautiful that through Christ, he says, behold, I make 
all things new. Saints of God, one of the most beautiful things we can do as men, especially leaders, is to be accountable before our wife and our children. One of the most important things we can do is learn how to say, I'm sorry. Accept responsibility. We must be willing to accept responsibility for our failure before we're able to accept responsibility for our success. Manhood, it comes with the acceptance of accountability and responsibility. Asking for forgiveness is one of the most godly things you can do. My son is here. My wife is here. My children that are listening, ask them. Joshua, Christine, Ariana, Alec, AJ, all of you. Ask my kids how many meetings I've had in my house and said, I need to ask for your forgiveness. What I did was wrong. I'm not perfect. And what I did, I failed you. Have mercy on me. Forgive me. Own it, men. Fix it. Learn. Move on. 1 Corinthians 14.20. It says, Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be children, but in understanding be men. 1 Corinthians 16.13. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. It takes real courage and real manhood to admit when you are wrong. Fathers, live a godly life. Leave a lasting legacy. Leave a legacy for your children. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 7, the righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. Parenting is temporary stewardship, but marriage is forever. The best thing you can ever do for your kids is love their mother. And not only that, let them see you love their mother. I still kiss my wife. And my kids still go, ooh, gross. Let me tell you, the way that you love your wife, your daughter will look for that same kind of love in her husband. If you could love your woman, the woman that God gave you, the wife of your youth, if you could love her, cherish her, esteem her, cater to her uniqueness as a woman, say, baby, there's nobody that has that smile. You're the only one in the whole world. You, you're the only one that moves my heart. Nobody can do what you do for me. You were made for me. You know it's true. Can nobody put up with me like you. That's right. The way you love your wife, your daughter will know how to choose her mate. My dad knew the Ten Commandments. You don't know the Ten Commandments, you got no chance. My dad opened the door for me. You ain't going to open the door for me? Psh, deuces, kid. You ain't going to pull out my chair? You ain't going to treat me? You're going to talk to me like I'm a dirty rag? Like I'm a street rat? You got no chance with me. Who do you think you're talking to? Listen, you got to raise the standard. 
You got to raise the standard. Your daughter needs to be loved. The first date she should ever go out on is with her dad. I thank God that in schools now they do daughter dance day. I think that's the most beautiful thing. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That means sacrifice. Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. Be tenderhearted with her. Colossians 3.19. Husband, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. In other words, we're, we're getting the gist here. Love, patience, understanding, gentleness, respect. Husbands, cleave to your wives, right? For this reason, a man leaves his mother and father, and the two become one flesh. The most powerful prayer on earth is the prayer of a man and a woman, the prayer of a husband and wife. It is the prayer of agreement. It is an effective prayer. The prayer of a marriage is a prayer of unity and agreement. Understand this, and this is very important. Don't miss this. Men, don't miss it. First Peter, it says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them in understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. hindered. Let me tell you, if you are not treating your wife as an equal heir, as a partner, as a joint heir with you, then God says he's not listening to your prayer. Fathers, serve. Set the tone in your house. Make sure you serve God as a family. Follow in the footsteps of Joshua. He says, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. Sacrifice. Lay down your life for your family. Deny yourself. God shows up at the place of sacrifice. Abraham, God walked through the sacrifice, right? He said, cut the cow, cut the animals in half. I will show up. And he did. He hid Abraham in the cleft of the rock. Elijah, where it was a, a, a complete drought in the land and he was battling the, the prophets of Baal. He said, pour the water on the sacrifice. This is a time of severe drought. He says, pour it on the sacrifice. God shows up at the place of sacrifice. God will show up at the place of your sacrifice. Men, provide for your family. Listen to what Timothy says, 1 Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If that ain't a punch right between the eyes, I don't know what is. Even unbelievers provide for their family. And we who know better, men, we need to provide. Don't make excuses. It's raining, go out. It's snowing, go out. But no matter what, you don't feel good, you got bubble guts, go out to work. Hallelujah. And for those that don't have a job, get a job. Hallelujah. Sacrifice. And I'm almost coming to an end. Correction. This is a real big one. 
If more dads corrected their children, there would be less inmates in prison. If more dads stood in the gap for their children and gave them a Bible as young men, the kids wouldn't have to receive their first Bible in a prison cell. Men, I know this is uncomfortable, but let the punishment fit the crime. There has to be an equal balance of love and law. Too much love, then there would not be enough law. Too little love, there will be nothing but law. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 11 through 12, it says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son, in whom he delights. Remember earlier, we were talking about do not provoke your children to wrath. In other words, be fair, be righteous, be just. Let me tell you a little story I read. This is powerful. There was a, a, a place in Africa, some village, where there was these elephants, young little teenage elephants, and they were raging. They were in chaos. They were running through huts and breaking houses down, breaking trees. They were fighting with each other. They, they were out of control. They were a menace to this village where these people lived. It turns out that the scientists came and began to study what is causing all these teenage elephants to go crazy. It turns out that there were poachers. And the poachers were killing the adult elephants for the tusk, for the ivory. All the adult elephants had been destroyed. And there was nothing but little ones left around, running around causing havoc. So the scientists said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go find some elephants from another area and they brought these big bull elephants with big tusks and they dropped a whole bunch of them right in the center of this elephant herd and you want to know what these big bulls did immediately they start flapping their ears they started raising their trunks making all these noises and immediately these elephants these little teenage elephants chilled out and every time they would start acting up, they start, wait a minute, what put, they put order. They demanded discipline in the ranks and they brought back order. And those crazy wild uh, teenage elephants settled down. How many mothers have children and there's an absentee father around somewhere that couldn't care less about his kids? Men of God, we're charged to be the elephants in the room. Hallelujah. We're charged to start flapping our ears and raising our trunk and say, that ain't right. You better respect your mother. We don't play that here. Walk right. Talk right. Live right. We need some male figures. Hallelujah. Men of God that walk in honor and integrity and in righteousness. That demand order in the ranks. In closing, the Bible says a child left to himself is a disgrace to his parents. Let me tell you, in the many years that I have been involved in men's ministry, and in all the time that I have spent being mentored by great men and great leaders, I've learned one truth about all men. You know what that truth is? All men love a challenge. 
Tell a man that he can't do something and he will move heaven and earth to prove you wrong. Tell a man you can't do that. You're too weak. You, you don't got the skills. You don't got no juice. What? Oh, you be like Rocky. You be working out. You be like, Oof. tell me I can't do something. A man loves a challenge. We are competitors by nature. That's why sports is such a hook for men because it responds to our need for conquest, our desire for competition. And I'll tell you the truth, the more dangerous it is, the more adventurous, even the more violent, the better. That's why men can watch boxing fight nights and, and, and MMA events and all these other uh, violent things. Men, young kids, you see them roughhousing. You got to tell your kids, please be careful. You're going to hurt your brother. AJ had broken his arm twice. He had his chip tooth. They were wild. Uh, my son Alex saw Jimmy Superfly snooker and he started jumping off the bed and breaking his little brother's arm. Body slamming him and all that as little kids. I thought, that the, I thought they were going to think in the hospital we're abusing our kids. And really, with men, every movie we watch, we have to get the girl at the end of the movie. We got to save the woman because we're about saving people, right? We want a conquest. We want to we wanna win. Well, today, I want to offer a challenge to all the men in this house. Today, I want to challenge every man in this room to embrace biblical manhood. Forget about the absentee father crisis in our nation. We're going to change that today. Amen. There are many, many males that impregnate women and then abandon them. Listen, making a woman pregnant doesn't make you a man. Amen. Taking responsibility for them does. In this opening scripture that we read, God said, you shall. It's a challenge. It's a command. There's no ambiguity in it. Manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. To be a man is to be like Christ. And today I want to challenge the men in this room. Gird up, grow up, man up, rise up. Hallelujah. The time for the weak man is over. Hallelujah. The time for the man, the mediocre man, accepting mediocrity in the house of God is over. It's time for men to become warriors, to become watchmen on the wall, to become vigilant and valiant. Hallelujah. The challenge I'm going to offer you today is going to change your heart. It's going to change your mind. It's going to change your destiny. This challenge may cost you everything you have because it's going to require that you lay your life down. This challenge will cause you to guide, govern, and protect your family. This challenge is going to cause you to live unconditionally and lead by example. This challenge is going to cause you to accept responsibility, to become accountable to God and to each other. This challenge is going to cause you to forgive and to be forgiven. This challenge is going to cause you to teach, equip, and launch your children like 
arrows. Hallelujah. Arrows that shoot straight and hit their mark. Raising up arrows, not boomerangs. And they come right back home. And many times you send them back out. And they multiply. And then they come back home with a kid. Get it together. This challenge will cause you to love God, to love your wife, to love your family, to love working, to love providing, to lead your family with strength, with honor, with integrity, with character. This challenge is going to demand that you stop making excuses. It's going to cause you to repent and to change. If you're not scared or intimidated by those words and you want to accept this challenge, I'm speaking to the men in this house, then at this moment, rise to your feet right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. What is a perfect man? Jesus Christ. He's the standard. He is our gauge. When men act like anything else besides Christ, we shame ourselves and we shame God. The Bible says you were created in his image to worship him and to multiply. To do this is to serve, to surrender to his will, to be like men, to be like soldiers, iron sharpening iron. To look at your brother and say, I am my brother's keeper. And there are privileges to acting like a man, to being like a man. You know what the first privilege is? You get to act like a man. Turn to your neighbor, the one standing, and say, thank God you're a man. Hallelujah. It's good to be a man. Men, fathers, you were created for greatness. You were created to do great and wondrous works. God said you shall be strong and you will do great exploits. You rose up to your feet this morning because you chose to accept biblical manhood. You responded to the call. If you stood up to your feet this morning because your wife says, honey, stand up. You got to stand up. Honey, stand up. Guess what? You're cheating yourself. And you're cheating your manhood. God wants to make you the head this morning and not the tail. God wants to bless you when you come in and when you go out. But it comes with a great cost. You've got to count the cost. This morning, for those that are on their feet, I'm going to ask you to take one more step of courage. One more step of obedience. I'm going to ask you to come out of your seat and come to the altar. Men of God, we're going to embrace biblical manhood this morning. We're going to step into our destiny. We're going to become like Christ. We're going to accept God's will for our lives. 
We're going to find out what he has called us to do. And we're going to live and love and lead and serve. We're going to guide. We're going to govern. We're going to protect like men until Christ calls us home. We're going to accept the challenge and pray together. Amen? Amen. Women of God, I'm going to ask you to stand. If your husband or your son is here, just extend your hand over the men of God this morning. Praise the Lord. Get the big bottle. Hallelujah. I want to anoint the men this morning. I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Ghost. The Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. I anoint you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I anoint you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I anoint you in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. I anoint you in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I anoint you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I anoint myself in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Men of God, let's huddle up. Put your arms around each other like a football huddle. Hallelujah. I'm a football guy. Praise God. Let's huddle up. Amen. Everyone together. Praise God. Father God, I just come before you, Lord Jesus. I thank you right now, oh God. You have charged us. You have equipped us, oh God. You have given us every tool that is needed, Lord, to become men of God. Men of honor. Men of integrity. Men of noble character, oh God. Men that walk holy because you are holy. Oh God, I pray right now for every brother. Oh God, that you have brought to this house, oh God. For these mighty men of God, mighty men of valor. Lord, I don't care what word has been spoken over them or what words that have been told to them as kids. Lord, today, Lord God, I release a fresh outpouring of your spirit upon their life. Oh God, I pray that you would touch their lips with a burning coal from your altar, oh God. That they would begin to speak a word and it'll be so. Oh God, I pray, oh God, for biblical manhood. Lord, that Christ-likeness and manhood are synonymous. Oh God, that we would walk after you, oh God. That we would draw close to you every day of our life, oh God. We may not have all the answers, oh God. We may not know if we're doing things the right way. But oh God, that our ears, that our spirit would be alert, attentive to the promptings and nudgings of your Holy Spirit. That we would hear your voice, for my sheep know my voice, saith the Lord. Oh God, that we would embrace biblical manhood today. That we would reject what the world says a man should be. Lord God, that we would reject the lies of our culture. The lies of our society. Lord, I break effeminate men. I break that spirit of weakness. Oh God, off of these mighty men of God that you have come to bring alongside of us like Aaron's and hers. Oh God, I pray a Joshua anointing. A Moses anointing. Oh God, a Aaron anointing oh God and her and Moses oh God a John the Baptist anointing oh God a Paul and Peter oh God oh Lord Jesus a Stephan anointing oh God I pray oh God that you would break chains this morning oh Lord God 
that you would lose your Holy Spirit fire. And I pray today, oh God, that we would no longer make excuses, that we would no longer accept mediocrity, but that from this day forward, oh God, we would draw close to you and each other, that we would hold each other up, oh God, as iron sharpens iron. May this day be the day where our families change, where our house change, where our wife walks with a new pep to her step, oh God. Oh God, because there's a man that came home. Hallelujah. There's a man that walked into these doors and everything changes, oh God. Lord, we thank you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Find, find ten guys and say, thank God you're a man. Hallelujah. Thank God you're a man. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank God you're a man. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. We are able to bring this message to you because of the generous support of listeners like you. If you have been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? For a love offering of any amount, we will be happy to send you a CD copy of today's message. To make a donation is easy please visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-342-9989. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-342-9989. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.